Pastor Ed Taylor on where freedom is found. We are free, not by working hard or doing more or following rules and regulations or by dressing right or by having the right language or having our perfect devotions or reading through the Bible a million times. It's by faith. We are made free by faith. The spirit of life that lives in me draws me above and away from the law of sin and death. And yet it still exists to reveal to me at any time my failure, but I'm not bound to it any longer. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Well, maybe you grew up in a church that boiled the Christian life down to a list of do's and don'ts. And after you went out there and gave it your best shot, you were left frustrated and discouraged because you simply didn't measure up. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll discover that Jesus has set us free from that sort of burden. Instead, he calls us to a life of faith and belief. Pastor Ed Taylor focuses on just a few verses today in Romans chapter 8, and they are verses 2 through 4. Now, before we get there, we'll hear a bit about the story of Noah. Genesis 6, verse 14. Make yourself an uh, ark of gopher wood. Make the rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Do you guys see that in your Bibles? Mark that word pitch and right next to it, kafar. K-A-P-H-A-R. It's the Hebrew word kafar. This is how we used to make it. And in the instructions of how to make this ark, we have a picture of the grace of God. It's interesting because this is, the same one, this is the same Hebrew word that's used for atonement. That technical word of God forgiving our sins, atonement. Atonement, the way you can remember that word whenever it comes up in your Bibles, is just to think of the word, break it down into what it sounds like. At one meant. The word atonement means that you and I are made one with God. We're brought into unity with God. That our sins have been forgiven. And the wrath of God is no longer upon us. This word kafar is the word for atonement. So they were to build this wooden ark and they were to cover it with kafar, with pitch. The ark becomes a picture and a type of who? Jesus Christ. The ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. And the only way Noah and his family could be saved was to be inside the ark. That was the instruction. Get inside. Get inside. The ark, in, and the, the ark becomes a picture and a type of the atonement of Jesus Christ. The covering says Noah and his family were told to go in. And the Bible says that the Lord shut the door. They didn't have to set up a pulley system. or they, all, God shut them in. And for 40 days and 40 nights, the judgment of God, the, water came, the waters came down. And began to rise. But they're in the ark. Covered, protected, and safe. Aren't you glad 
that in the instruction, I think Noah is, that in the instruction to make the ark, aren't you glad that God didn't say, okay, Noah, the storms are coming and, and, and the floods are coming, the destruction, and you and your family, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build the ark and on either side, I want four pegs on this side and I want four pegs on that side and for 40 days and 40 nights, hang on for dear life. And if you hang on to the end, you'll be safe. But he didn't say that. Because it wasn't about Noah's ability to hold on to a peg in order to be saved from judgment. It wasn't about Noah's ability and his wife and his family to hold on for it. And, oh, okay, I can do it. You know, because I want to be saved. Okay, whatever you say, God. And you're holding on for a couple hours and you're like, oh, I don't think I can do this. And maybe you make it four hours. Maybe you make it six hours. Maybe some of you are super strong and you make it eight hours but you're not going to make it 40 days. And even in making it eight hours, what have you accomplished? But showing yourself that you've got strength for about eight hours. But it wasn't enough strength because the first eight hours, it was just drops. There was no flood. It was just drops. It isn't, our life isn't hanging on and holding on for dear life. It's get inside, I'll shut you in. You want to be free from your past, get inside and I'll shut you in, God says. The safest place for you and me to be is hidden in Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3? For you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You're hidden. So many are trying to hold on and hold out to stay away from sin. And you might ask them. They don't realize, you may not realize when you're saying this, but you, you hear the vernacular. It's, it's typical stuff. So how are you doing today? Hanging in there. Really? So you're hanging on to the pegs outside the ark. What? What are you talking about, man? I'm just barely making it. I'm hanging in there. Oh, so you're hanging in there. And it's really a reflection of, man, I'm just about ready to give in. I'm barely making it. And, and you're tempted at times, aren't you? Just like, well, then just let go. No, I can't let go. No, let go. No, man, I'm barely. If I let go, I won't be able to hang in there. That's the point. Because when we use that vernacular, whether we mean it in a spiritual way or not, sometimes we don't, but sometimes we do, the reality is, for the Christian, it's not about you and me hanging in there. It's about the firm grip of God upon your life. That even if you were to let go, though a man falls seven times, he'll, fall, he'll rise again. It's the faithfulness of God. When chapter 8 opens up, there is therefore now no condemnation where? In Christ. That's where freedom from your past comes. To be in him and the freshness of his work. When the father looks at you and me, he doesn't see us with all our failures and faults. He doesn't see us, although he does see everything about us, he sees us in Christ. Not only does Jesus come to live in you, but you're also put in him. You're covered both ways. What great freedom there is, according to verse 2 now, of the freedom of the law of the spirit of life. The spirit of life. What great freedom there is. There's this spirit of life in Christ. What is the spirit of life in Christ? It starts with a capital G. It's called the gospel. The gospel is the freedom of the spirit of life. The gospel, the good news. The gospel. You see, what the law wasn't able to do, what, we know that the law wasn't done away with because we need to have the law to understand our need. So the law wasn't done away with it's still doing its job. It's holy, it's just, and it's good. 
But in Christ, you're no longer bound to it. You're under the, we're under the law of the spirit of life. He set us free from the law of sin and death. It's, he's, not only does the law reveal to us now where to go, but Jesus empowers us from the inside out. The law, remember, has a lot of different definitions. It could be, it could be a reference to the Ten Commandments. It could be a reference to the first five books of the Old Testament that's known as the Torah. Sometimes it's referred to the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, it's the, the, the reality of God's demands upon our life, his teachings and instructions to the Jewish people revealing his desire for their purity. And all the, law does, all the law says to us over and over again is that you're a sinner, you're a sinner, and you must surely die. That, that's the root of the law. The law says when you sin, you die. That's the law. The, the law of sin and death is like the law of gravity. As we walk through the terminal over at DIA, we'd see plane after plane sitting there, parked. Why? Because they're held down by gravity. Or there is a massive delay and they haven't taken off yet. But even then, it's gravity holding that plane back. Besides, there isn't any pilot or any uh, crew to fly the plane. Gravity's there. I'm not speaking anything personal, but I just saw the receipt from the time we went to the airport and had to go home. We were there 12 hours and had to go home. I'm not, I'm free from my past. The planes there are held down by gravity. But just in a few minutes, as they push that plane back, they'll be in flight. Why? Because a new law will take place. A new law. The laws of aerodynamics with thrust and lift. I mean, laws that I personally don't even understand, but I trust them all the time. But with the new law of aerodynamics and thrust and lift, does that mean the law of gravity goes away? No, it still has its job and still works perfectly. So too with the law of God. Grace supersedes the law of God, but the law of God still has its place and its purpose. There's always that higher law that will release just like that plane from the law of gravity. So it is in Jesus Christ, lifted up above the gravity of the law of sin and death, we are free to live for Jesus by faith. Remember they came to Jesus, they asked him this question. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? That's a common question asked today. Give us something to do, Jesus. Tell us how we're doing it wrong. We're tethered to the law, motivated to do it, striving to attain it, working hard for God to please him. And Jesus answers, this is John chapter six, verses 28, and 29, they came and asked him, what must we do to do the works of God? And listen carefully to the answer. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him that he sent. We are free, not by working hard or doing more or following rules and regulations or by dressing right or by having the right language or having our perfect devotions or reading through the Bible a million times. It's by faith. We are made free by faith. The spirit of life that lives in me draws me above and away from the law of sin and death. And yet it still exists to reveal to me at any time my failure. But I'm not bound to it any longer. Notice, I love verse 3 as we wind down here. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, 
And remember, let's just clarify, what the law could not do was give you life, give you power. The law had no ability in and of itself to forgive. It could only point you to the ordinances by which God would honor and he forgave. Because it's not a law and it's not a rule that sets us free and forgives us. Forgiveness only comes from God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way it comes. And so when you see that what the law couldn't do, God did. How? By sending Jesus Christ to die for you and me. To live by the grace of God sets you free from the past. It gives you freedom. The law, the Ten Commandments, the Torah, the rules, the, they were weak because they couldn't change my flesh. My inability to keep the law showed its weakness. It couldn't change me from the inside out. I couldn't follow enough rules and lists. I couldn't read enough books to make me right with God. You know, you can write out your goals if you're still unconvinced. You can still write out your goals on little three by five cards, post them all over your house. That's great and that's good. But all you will find every time you see those cards is your weakness and inability to follow them. Because if you had the strength to follow them, you wouldn't need a reminder on the mirror. Are you guys with me? It's good to be reminded. That's not the issue. But every time we need to be reminded, all it does is reveal our weakness. That's all. It's just like, I can't remember everything. It shows my weakness, not my strength. And even if on one of those three five by five cards, you memorize it, you've got it on your, everywhere you go, it's on the milk, it's on the cheese, it's on your car, it's on your shoes, everywhere. And it's, you wrote this out, I will be a good person today. The best person I could ever be. What a burden you have placed on yourself. And you go, why? Why isn't, isn't it good to, good to be good? Isn't it good to be best? Every day, that little goal, every day you have to be better than the last or you have failed your card. Like if Monday's your best day and you wake up on Tuesday and says, this will be my best day. However good you were Monday, you're going to have to be better on Tuesday. And so you hit it on Tuesday. I'm really good. But then let's say on Tuesday, you set the bar, on Monday to start out your New Year's resolution, you set the bar so low so you can hit it. But now you feel guilty about that because you know that wasn't your best day. And the way we set up rules and regulations, whether you admit it or not, consider it before the Lord. You will always set up your rules and regulations so that you can do them, but others can't. And you add, How do you, what do you mean? Well, let me, let me put it this way. Haven't you noticed yet in your relationship with God that your sin looks really bad in someone else's life? I can't believe she's, and oh, and the Lord's always saying, isn't that so interesting? That's all you ever notice. Isn't that, yeah, I know, I'm just, that's my gift. I find that sin everywhere. Oh, all right. It's my gift. I'm the sin-sniffing Pharisee, you know? And you're just walking around the church. Send over there, pastor. Send over there, pastor. But then over time, God reveals to you, you know what? That's actually, that's actually something I want you to deal with in your life. Oh, no, 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 no. No, that's actually an area in your life. That's something that is reflected 
Uh, you're seeing it in others because I'm showing it to you. I want you to see it because as you're angry, and you know, this is a, there's an example of this in the Bible. You remember his name was David. David's friend came to him with a story. And as the story unfolded, it was a great injustice. You know, the little ewe lamb and taking it. And, and David just got so incensed. And what did he pronounce on that story? Death. The death penalty wasn't even appropriate for the crime. You know, give him back a couple lambs, maybe two or three, I forget. But it wasn't even appropriate. But what was on David's mind? The death penalty. Why? Because he's a murderer. You see, the law doesn't bring you freedom. Only Jesus Christ. What the law was weak in doing, in its inability, God did. And by faith in Jesus Christ, freedom is yours. God did by sending his own son. And by faith in him, you fulfill all the requirements of the law. Let me end here and go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's just look for briefly. You see, you want to be free from your past, you need to be in Christ. The place of freedom is by faith in Jesus Christ. He does the work. He empowers. He helps. He strengthens. He gives the ability. He gives, the, he gives it all. He gives the command and the power to, to fulfill it. And so notice with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, pick up with me in verse 6, would you? Where it speaks of, well, really pick up in verse 4 for the sake of the context. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. That's the language of grace. The language of grace is there is no, I have nothing to offer. My sufficiency is in Christ. It's from God. He's made us, notice, sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For what, if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. So let me walk you through. The old covenant is the law of sin and death. The new covenant is the law of spirit and life. The old covenant is the ministry of death, but the new is the ministry of life. The old covenant was written on stones. It was external. It was demanding. It had this ex external outward change and conformity to a list. But the new covenant is actually written on hearts, promised in Jeremiah chapter 31, Exodus, or Ezekiel 36. It was promised that God would do a work on the hearts of men. It's a change of our nature. We have a new nature. It's an internal change. Where now I desire to do the will of God, I don't desire to follow a list or some outward list of change. You know, the, the, it, doesn't, it doesn't make you any more righteous, ladies, if you cover your ankles. And you go, what do you mean? There's a whole system of theology that the way you dress makes you more spiritual. The Bible speaks of modesty for men and women for sure. But whether you cover your ankles or not, ladies, you're fine. It's fine. Oh, I got, and so some, somebody's like, I got freedom, I got freedom. You know, it's like, it's, you've always had it 
enjoy it. The externals is not what God is looking for. It's the internal work of his spirit. The old covenant covenant notice was temporary. Its glory faded away. But the new covenant is eternal in glory and righteousness. The old covenant was condemnation, but the new covenant gives justification in the forgiveness of sins. How are we set free from the past? We are reminded that God has released us from the law, set free so that God dwells in us, and we're able to live because here's the thing, and we'll just break it down. Your inability to let go of the past is a reflection of your own human effort. And you have subjected yourself to the law of sin and death. But when you choose to obey God and release yourself to the law of, of spirit and life, you are instantly free. Now you may go back. And you got to be free again. And you may go back. You got to be free again. You may go back. But that's what chapter 7 is all about, isn't it? Where do you want to live, Christian? Chapter 7 of Romans or chapter 8? You see, that's why 7 comes before 8. Because you want to be in 7 and be released in 8. Go home and read the book of Romans. Read it all the way through. And notice the progression of victory and joy and, and just life that comes when you get all the way to the end. The promises of God. You know, when we emphasize the promises of God, which are great and wonderful, let us emphasize the promises of God secondarily to the God who keeps his promises. Right? Our faith is in his ability to keep his promise, not our ability to remember them. Our, our faith is in the God who gives power, not our ability to submit to it. Our faith is in the God who does the work, not, in our, not even in our ability to recognize it. Do you know that God does a lot more in your life that you don't even recognize? But he still loves you. Aren't you glad you're not saved by recognizing everything that God does? All the things he's doing that he hasn't even revealed to you yet. Your faith is in God. Not what he does, not what he gives, but in who he is. The promises of God tie us to the character and the nature of God and who he is. That's where life is. Life is found in Jesus Christ. And it's conveyed to us from the inside out. Grace is amazing. A few minutes Bible study doesn't even plumb the depths of the power of God in your life. But I pray that tonight God will set you free. That you'll recognize that it's not your own effort. When we try to do things on our own effort, we make things worse, not better. And we delay the enjoyment of the very presence of God in our life. What a good and needed reminder that freedom is found only through faith in Jesus. This is Abounding Grace, and today's message from Ed Taylor titled, Jesus Has Made Me Free, can be heard again at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. Pastor Ed, you've got a new and helpful book that was birthed out of this present series, and it goes by the title of Free From Our Past. Can you give our listeners the elevator pitch on how the Lord might use this in their lives? Larry, this book is a dynamic tool for anyone that picks it up in the hands of the Lord to deal with these issues that seem to linger, like anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, self-condemnation being stuck by the shackles of shame. Uh, I really know that people want to get out of it, 
but aren't quite sure how to apply the principles or even where are those principles in the scriptures. And I believe in book form, we've taken these Bible studies and made them extremely accessible to from the newest believer to the most mature believer, because we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We know that he's coming after us in these topics. We know that they keep showing up. We know that even yesterday could have been an event where unforgiveness took root because we were offended and we didn't handle it correctly, or even going back to some deep trauma that you've been carrying around since a very young age. Look, the Lord wants to free you. It's my heart to come alongside of you and help you minister to you. A lot of work has been put into this book, and I just know as you read it and pray through it, and apply the biblical principles, the Lord is ready to help you take the next step and really live the life that you've always wanted, set free from your past by the power of Jesus Christ. That's Free From Our Past, available right now at calvaryco.store. Get an extra copy to share with someone, too. calvaryco.store. We have a couple more messages to share with you from our series, Free From Our Past, and we'll have that for you next week on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. Have a great weekend. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.